to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com thanks for tuning in sluts and scholars is a sex positive shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter while we love to give advice and resources please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, we are welcoming Gloria Jackson Nefertiti, who is a writer, workshop presenter, and panelist, and former fundamentalist Christian and cult member. She is also a breast cancer survivor. In fact, it was the cancer diagnosis in 2013 that caused her to realize how short life is and served as the catalyst that caused her to come out as sex-positive, bisexual, and polyamorous. She was also diagnosed as autistic in May of 2019, six months before she turned 63 years old. (laughs) Gloria is at work on her memoir, and she hopes to have completed that by the end of this year. Uh, We'll see how that's going. I know that's a lot to keep up with. Uh, The working title is uh, A Different Drum, a black, autistic, polyamorous, mentally ill, former fundamentalist Christian cult member and breast cancer survivor who just wants to fit in. Uh, She currently lives in Seattle, Washington, where she is a member of the Center for Sex Positive Culture. Welcome, Gloria. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. (laughs) That book title is certainly a a mouthful of all of your intersections. I feel like you covered a lot of it, right? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You know, it's kind of funny, you know, when I, depending on who I'm talking to about the, the memoir, uh, you know, I'll usually just say that the, the book title is A Different Drum. You know, and and just leave it at that. But in, in no, but we space, don't we don't want to just leave it at that here. I want no, all the details. No. <laughs> so sixty three years old before getting a diagnosis. Um, yes. What oh what's God. up with that? Tell me about that. Oh boy. <laughs> well. Um, oh gosh, where where do I begin? First, now I I, I know that in childhood, and you know, being that I'm. Uh, well, 64 years old now, um, but at the time in in uh, Mississippi, you know, where I was born and raised, um, nobody really knew anything about autism, uh, or you know, very few people did. I'm you know, I'm sure that the doctors and academics did, but um, but I just know that as long as I can remember, I was constantly getting bullied, you know, and at school and then eventually on the workplace, you know? Yeah. And I always knew that there was something different about me and the, you know, other kids uh, definitely (laughs) didn't let me forget that -hmm. there was something different about me and that I didn't fit in, you know, that I was different from the other kids. So what did what assumptions did people make about what that was then? They would just say like, stupid or you know other mean things yeah or uh mentally retarded or you know uh, which i'm you know i'm glad that you know not very many people use that term anymore but uh that was you know one thing that i was called and what also really made things challenging for me um and and i'm putting it mildly it was actually more than challenging is um i I grew up in a a very dysfunctional household. Uh, 
and I'm not just throwing that word around, you know, I mean, there was uh, actually domestic violence, you know, and, and I was, was constantly scared. Mm, and so, tra- so trauma, there's a, a, a lot of trauma and, and so what, what I was going to say is what, you know, part of what made this so challenging is I would get bullied at school and then I'd come home and get bullied at home. Mm. Yes, I I remember my you know father and my older sister uh, would would just when whenever they would hear that you know I had problems and you know that that I got bullied, they would get so angry at me, which made absolutely no sense, but. Uh, that was something else that I had to contend with. And I remember that either my father or my older sister would, you know, just corner me and, you know, and just give me this long lecture, you know, about, you know, needing to uh, take care of myself. You know, I needed to learn how to, how to defend myself. And somehow it was, uh, you know, just just shameful and, and wrong that I, uh, you know, couldn't do that. And they they were actually more angry with me than with the uh, kids who were bullying me. Although there was one time, <laughs> this was a rare instance, where my mom uh, called one of the kids who had had been bullying me and <laughs> really chewed her out. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I. But in in general, know, I, it sounds like it was more lack of permission. There were no resources. There was a lack of knowledge around you know autism spectrum. Um, that you didn't feel like there was any safe place for you, and there was no support in sight. No, no, not at it all. It was like you figure it out, take care of yourself. Don't complain to this about this to us. Right, 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 exactly. And I, I will have to say, too, that um, now today, you know, the uh, young people who are uh, diagnosed as autistic, um, you know, or some, somewhere on the spectrum, they have you know, just incredible resources today. And on one hand, I'm really glad that they have these resources and that they don't have to go through what I had to deal with or, or even a quarter of what I had to deal with. I'm, I'm really glad about that. At the same time, I will have to admit that I feel a lot of resentment. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I wish that I had had at least, you know, half of the resources that the young people have today. You know, I mean, things would have been so different. And I'm also thinking, too, that like, for for instance, in the workplace where I was constantly bullied and, you know, managers thought it was okay to, uh, you know, yell at me or or, you know, to uh, confront me. And um, part of me thinks that if, if they knew that I was autistic you know, I, I don't know if the, you know, things would have been any different, you know, or if, if they would have been more understanding, I'd like to think they would have been, but you know, it's just really hard to know. And I mean, obviously things have changed over time, but I, I think something you've focused a lot of, it sounds like your own work on is the intersection 
of lots of things together. And so not just being on the spectrum, but like you said, you're in the South, you're a black woman. Mm -hmm. And I think even today there are issues that come up at the intersection of being a woman and being on the spectrum of sometimes it goes more unnoticed or being black and being on the spectrum and getting Mm -hmm. resources. What do you, yeah. What do you think of that intersection Mm -hmm. and how that's shown up for you? Well, I I will have to say that that I'm very, very fortunate in that the the therapist who I have, I mean, actually, she's somebody who I've been seeing for like 10 years, which is, you know, longer than that I've seen in any therapist. Yeah, my therapist is my longest relationship, too. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I've been seeing her since I was like, let's see, it's been like 15 years now. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, she's, she's not quite my lo- longest relationship. You know, my um, actual longest relationship is a, a partner who, I, let's see, in May, it'll be uh, 15 years that, that we've been mm. together. Yeah. But um, I'm really, really fortunate because, you know, she's, uh, let's see. You know, she's, uh, you know, LGBTQ friendly, kink friendly, poly friendly, uh, you know, just all of that. And and actually, she's listed as one of the uh, poly friendly professionals, you know, under the uh, therapist section. You know, so I'm, I'm very uh, fortunate in that regard. But what, what I was going to say, too, is that I'm also really fortunate in that she uh, assesses people for uh, autism or any anywhere on the uh, autism spectrum, yeah, yeah. And so it, she was actually the the one who assessed me. How did you feel when you first heard that as an option? Oh gosh, I I, I just, just just felt really really relieved, you know, because because actually, oh gosh, I would say for maybe like the the last fifteen or twenty years. I kind of had an inkling that maybe I was autistic. The, the, the reason why is because at that time, uh, I was just starting to hear about something called Asperger's syndrome, you know? Um, and I personally don't like to call it Asperger's syndrome anymore just because, you know, I found out that uh, Hans Asperger was a Nazi sympathizer. So I don't like to use that name. You know, I just just say I'm autistic, you know. Sounds fine by me. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for in the medical community, we now call it the the spec, you know, the way it's diagnosed is the autism spectrum. And um, I I like that for this because it is a spectrum. And so every person on the spectrum looks different, you know, has their own experience, their own intersections. And so I'd be curious for you, like, how has the spectrum showed up even before you had a name for it? Yeah. What does that look like for you in relationships and in partnerships? Like how has it showed up? Wow. Well, let's see. One of, one of the ways that it shows up is that, or it, it, it uh, you know, shows up now and has shown up, uh, you know, previously is, um, well, I would definitely process information differently you know, from other people or, or from, um, you know, neurotypical, you know, type of people, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, basically, you know, most everybody else, I guess I could say, you know, Mm -hmm. so, so I would process information differently. And the way that would look is sometimes I wouldn't get jokes, 
you know, that uh, may, maybe everybody else is is getting with no problem, uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm just kind of kind of sitting there, you know, looking around, looking at everybody, you know, wondering, okay, you know, why is this funny? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean, I wish I could, uh, you know, had I wish I had some examples that that I could could show you, you know, because uh, when whenever I would show them to somebody else or or like show them to to my therapist, I mean, you know, she, she'd get them, but at mm. the same time, she'd understand why I wouldn't get them, you know, because maybe I yeah. would be, um, well, I, you know, to take things literally, you know, for for mm-hmm. one thing, yes. Actually, uh, there there is a, a a joke that I can think of, um, and and I should mention that another way that autism manifests for me is that I don't get visual puns. I I love puns, <laughs> but the the visual ones. You know, I'll find that like if uh, somebody you know posts a, a you know just a a, a picture, a meme, of something, yeah. yeah, you know, a meme, and and ev- everybody else is uh, you know they'll, they'll give these uh, laughter emojis, you know, and and you're just <laughs> and, like what? Uh, yeah, what? And I'll, I'll keep looking. I'll think, oh, okay, what what am I supposed to be looking at here? <laughs> you know, what's going on? And. Um, <laughs> Now, uh, one one that that I can remember is there was a picture of uh, Dorothy and the um, the the cowardly lion and the Tin Man, you know, s- sitting on a bench. And actually, the uh, Scarecrow was uh, the, sitting with them too, and he he was drinking an ice cream shake. And and while he was drinking it, uh, everybody else was was kind of holding their head, you know, like this, you know, like like they were in pain. <laughs> and I I didn't understand what was going on. And some somebody explained that you know the uh, the scarecrow w- was was able to you know drink the the ice cream or or not the ice cream cone, but the the ice cream shake, and. You know, and everybody else was getting brain freeze. <laughs> you know, so so that's why they were were holding their heads like that. Yeah, I mean, it also it also just kind of sounds like it was a shitty joke. <laughs> yeah, but, well, that too. That too. <laughs> I'm like, I don't find that funny. But I'm not on the spectrum. <laughs> I mean, it. Uh, you know, once once it was explained, it made sense because you know, yeah. the, the uh, you know, since the scarecrow didn't have a brain, you know, so it yeah. uh, didn't affect him. You know. And it makes sense now, but yeah. But you're also like, is that funny? (laughs) So, so when when that would happen, would you feel? I guess would you feel left out? What what feelings would you feel about it? Big time left out. Yeah, and and something else that would bother me about that is, um, people would would tend to think that I wasn't very smart. Mm, You know, like why don't you get it? Yeah, that that I was you know slow somehow. And which is not the case. I mean, I know I'm smart. I know I'm intelligent, but it's just frustrating, you know, that that I feel that I have to, you know, actually convince, you know, other people of that fact. Yeah. That that processing is sort of synonymous with intelligence and it's not. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I just really, really hate that, 
you know. Um, let's see. So it sounds like it shows up with humor and I guess connecting with people in relationships, yeah. like find, finding commonalities, finding, you know, I guess things to, to relate on. Um, yes, yes, exactly. How, how else has it shown up for you in, in sex and relationships? Before I knew that, that I was autistic, um, I would occasionally have, have things happen where I, you know, m maybe misinterpreted something or maybe said the, the wrong thing or, or the quote unquote wrong thing. And, you know, my partner, you know, would ask me, you know, why, why did you do that? Why did you say that? <laughs> and all I'd be able to do is just kind of, kind of shrug you know, say, I, I don't know. It made perfect sense to me. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it would make me feel like I you know, just wasn't really understood very well. And that was very difficult for me, you know, being in a, a you know, a partnership with somebody and, um, you know, and just just to feel like they didn't understand me. You know, that was, yeah. that was so difficult. And, and, and actually, I would, would say that that was a classic example of being with somebody or, or being with people and still feeling really lonely, you know, just be, because of not being understood. And I don't know if that feels like a prerequisite for you to engage in sex with someone, but I sure know that I enjoy sex better with someone when I feel seen and understood, oh, even absolutely. if we're just hooking up. Oh, absolutely. Gosh, that it, it just makes such a difference. You know, um, I remember I had the, the misfortune of being in a relationship with someone. Well, for, for lack of a better term relationship, uh, you know, I can't really call it that truthfully, but I was with with this person for almost twenty years, believe it or not. You know, one of the reasons one of the reasons that I was with this person for so long, you know, even though he you know treated me badly, is because I remember we would regularly have these phone conversations that would go for you know like uh, two or three hours, mm -hmm. which was something that I didn't have growing up. You know, is like ha having having girlfriends. You know, to uh, talk talk on the phone. You know, for for hours, and you know, just just have the, you, you know, just to uh, lose track of time. You know, that, yeah. that, was, that was something I didn't have, and so uh, you know, he he and I would would have these two or three hour phone conversations, but um, with most of the phone conversations, though. Um, he he would point out things that were quote unquote wrong with me, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, constantly, you know, yeah. yes. And uh, but it sounds like you were like, well, this is my this has been my only outlet for this, so I guess this yeah. is what that looks like, or I guess this right. is my only option. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly, exactly, yeah, and um. Sounds like a shitty conversation, two hours of having someone tell you what's wrong with you. Yeah, yeah, really, you know, <laughs> you know, or when, when I would, when I would ask for something, he had a way of making it seem that no matter what I asked for, it was unreasonable somehow. 
Like you were asking for too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, oh, and let, let me just, just also say that even though he seemed to think that I had so much wrong with me and, and didn't have a, you know, very much going for me, the only area where he had no complaints at all was the area of sex. Now that he thought I could do, you know, he th thought I was, was just amazing, you know, with, with my sexual skills. Mm. <laughs> but you can imagine what that must have felt like for me, you know, knowing that that was, you know, all I seemed to have going for me. I realize now that that's not true. You know, it's it's never been true. But it sounds like it was it was hard to believe otherwise. In yeah, the yeah, exactly. Because, uh, you know, I I trusted him so much, um, e even though I started realizing gradually that he was was lying to me for you know with just a a lot of things, a lot of areas. You know? Mm -hmm. Oh, and <laughs> by the way, would, I did, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, would you would you attribute that more to like a trauma response or self consciousness, or would you attribute that more to being on the spectrum? AKA, do you think folks on the spectrum are, I guess, more vulnerable to end up in in abusive situations? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, you know, because that's one of the uh, other ways that autism manifests in me and in a lot of people is that we tend to be very trusting and, and vulnerable. And he knew that he was able to get away with all of this. And even when it was, was obvious to me that he was lying, I, I just didn't want to think about that. I, you know, I just, did, you know, because I, I held them on such a, a high pedestal. You know? mm. Yeah. And, you, you know, I, looking back, I really, really wish that I had been in, involved in a uh, kitchen table poly situation. Yeah, and uh, for, or you could talk to folks about it. You mean right, right? You know, and just just hang out with people, and you know, and, and where they they could meet him, and and they they could uh, you know give me their evaluations of him. And, yeah, be like a check uh, a check and balance as yeah. opposed to just listening to him. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you know, because I I mean even. When when he and I first uh, started seeing each other, you know, occasionally I would tell people, you know, some of the things that, that went on or some things that he said. And most of the time people would say things like, wow, I don't know. This doesn't sound right to me. This just doesn't doesn't set well with me. You know? Mm. Yeah. And eventually I got to the place where I just stopped telling people. I mean, even when something was was just so obviously wrong uh, you know i just stopped telling people because i knew that somebody was gonna say uh oh gosh as uh, dan savage says dtmfa <laughs> yeah dump the motherfucker already <laughs> 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 and I, and I, part of I, you didn't want didn't want to. Right, right. You know, even though I knew that it was the right thing to do. 
Hey, slutty scholars, I know Valentine's Day has passed, but don't save all of your sexy, fun, connected time for one day out of the year. So let's just take a quick pause to listen to these advertiser discounts. And remember, lube is your best friend. It is the key to maximizing pleasure, whether you're alone or with a partner. If you're going to lubricate, you want to make sure it's done with the highest quality body safe ingredients. And nothing beats Uber Lube. Right now, they're offering Sluts and Scholars listeners a special offer of 10% off and free shipping when you use my code S and S at uberlube.com. That's 10% off and free shipping when you use promo code S and S. And it's not just for genital stimulation. It's also great for massages too, and even for frizzy hair like mine. Just make sure you check if it's compatible with the condom or toy that you may want to use. For sensitive folks, it's great as it's unscented with no flavor and has vitamin E, and it's free from nasty additives like parabens, preservatives, and petrochemicals chemicals. Also, awesomely, it doesn't stain your sheets, so you can put that laundry off for another day or five. Right now, they're offering Sluts and Scholars listeners a special 10% off and free shipping when you use my code S&S at uberlube.com. That's 10% off and free shipping. Just use code S-A-N-D-S at U-B-E-R-Lube.com. S-N-S at uberlube.com. Now, back to the episode. Well, something that we talked about before, a little before the podcast too, and that some of our listeners might be familiar with is that um, I think just in general, look, it sounds like this partner over-sexualized you or, or just sexualized yes, you in yes, general. definitely sexualized, um, yes. Which in so, I don't want to say that's good or positive, but I think usually a lot of times what I hear from folks who are on the spectrum is that they've been desexualized. And I know that's also been an experience for you too. You know, I've definitely felt that too. I, I mean, what, what makes things tricky too is, you know, being autistic and uh, being a former fundamentalist Christian. And I remember during my uh, Christian era, well, you know, that went for, for like maybe 10, 10 or 15 years, maybe, you know. Um, I remember some, sometimes if uh, some, somebody told a dirty joke or, or made some, you know, references, you know, some sexual references to something, you know, if, I, if I'd be in a, you know, a, a large group of people and, you know, somebody did that and everybody mm-hmm. else would, would be laughing. And in, in, in this case, I would, I would still get the joke, but, you know, I really wouldn't think it's funny necessarily. And somebody would usually say, oh, Gloria's shocked, <laughs> you know, and, and I'd say, you don't know what I'm feeling. <laughs> but I mean, e- even after I left the church, um, you know, I would occasionally have that happen. <laughs> and there have been instances where maybe nobody would come right out and, you know, say, oh, Gloria's shocked. I would, would just kind of pick up that, you know, maybe that's what everybody is feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one example I think of is, um, see, I, I live in an intentional community in, in the uh, university district in Seattle. And it used to have, you know, like 14 or 15 people, you know, living here all together. Um, but since COVID is uh, now just five of us, you know. 
Yeah, but I remember when there there were you know fourteen people living here. This this housemate had uh, you know placed a, a personal ad you know on mm-hmm. one of the dating apps, I guess. Mm-hmm. And for for a period there, they were you know constantly bringing people home, and you know, and uh, so after one of their dates, uh, you know, they were sitting at the uh, table with us, and you know, just talking about you know what what this person was like sexually and, and everything and uh you know and that they you know wanted the person to eat their pussy and you know just just you know d- different things and you finally got that kitchen table talk you were waiting for <laughs> yeah, yeah really. <laughs> talking about pussy over pancakes to get some input <laughs> Yeah, it you know, de- definitely turned out to, you know, be not all it was cracked up to be. Let's put it that way. And I remember I was you know sitting at the table. I was um on my laptop and when when everybody was talking, you know, I didn't enter into the conversation at all. And looking back, you know, what I really really wish I had done I wish I had spoken up and told everybody about the double penetration that I had a few years prior on my birthday. (laughs) So you feel like they had an assumption about you that you were shocked and prude, but really you were thinking about double penetration. Yes, yes, exactly. And I really wish I could have told them about that, you know. <laughs> it was it was really amazing. I I remember, you know, it was it was with uh, both of my partners, and uh, you know, it, uh, it happened in 2012, and people are still talking about it. <laughs> well, I mean, you got a platform if you want. If you feel like you need to talk about it now, I'm here for you. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, let me let me just just, just say that uh, like a a few days be- before the. Uh, you know, double penetration, what happened was, you know, my two partners and I, you know, we had a, uh, I, I, I think, a, you know, a, a Google Meet chat or, or it, was, it was some, um, you know, video chat. That's, you know, all I remember, you know, because basically we w- wanted to, you know, talk about the logistics and, you know, just just how we were going to do this. And 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 also, too, it was it was a, a way for my partners to meet each other because they hadn't had a chance to meet each other yet. And I mean, they you know, definitely became close. You know, literally, literally yeah. only separated by a taint. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh yeah. That was a, a great memory. And I, you know, I just, just wish I could have spoken up and, you know, because actually what I think would uh, would have happened is that, you know, everybody else would have gotten really embarrassed. You know? <laughs> you know? I mean, I, congratulations, happy birthday to you. Um, and, you know, something, like I said, obviously everyone on the spectrum is different. And I think a common potential assumption, but also thing that comes up for, you know, autistic folks is, sometimes struggling to read emotions and have that back, that back and forth. And so I think when I often talk to, you know, folks in my practice of what they're wanting and looking for in terms of sex and partnership is they want someone to kind of be able to like, be really present with them and like read their body and read their cues. And so I wonder how that comes up or if that comes up for you at all sexually of, um, 
Yeah, when you're trying to connect sexually with someone and how you read each other and, and connect in that way. Whenever I talk about them, you know, like in, in, in my workshops or something, you know, I, I, I just refer to him as Artie. <laughs> so the X. Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. So, Artie, the X. Yeah. So, so I'll just, just call him Artie, you know, so, so that, you know, it'll, you know, the things won't be so complicated and, you know, but um, <clears throat> being that he had, you know, so much shame around sex, which he kind of passed on to me. I, I remember he was not at all comfortable talking about sex. And now uh, that's definitely a deal breaker for me mm. in, in my you know, relationships. Um, same, I mean, same. You know, th- thankfully, my you know, present partners have, have no trouble telling me what they want or what, what they want to try or do or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I remember, you know, he just was, was not able to talk about sex. And, you know, when, I, when I'd ask him, you know, if, if there was anything he wanted to do or try, you know, he would just always say, Oh, you know, I just like regular sex. <laughs> you know, like, oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> regular sex. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> there, there were some times where, you know, m- maybe he'd change his mind, you know, in uh, midstream, I guess, you know, you, you could say. And by the way, there is nothing at all wrong with changing your mind later on, you know, mm-hmm. um, like, for for instance, and, and, and I will uh, totally get back to the uh, arty situation, you know, because I, you know, just just want to kind of make a point. If I was having sex with somebody, and they you know, s- said to me, you know, I, I know that at the beginning, you asked if there was anything I wanted to try and I couldn't think of anything, but now I just happened to think of something, you know, I I'd really like to try uh, anal sex with you, you know, and, and then I would have said something like, oh, that's great. You know, let me run to the bathroom real quick, you know, and get freshened up and, you know, and, and then I'll be right back and we'll, <laughs> we'll go at it, you know, mm-hmm. and have a great time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, opposite is true too. You know, maybe before you plan for something and then in the moment you're like, mm, that doesn't feel good today. Yeah. Just that ongoing consent piece. Yes. Yes. You, you, can, you can always do that, you know? Yeah. But th- there, there was one time where uh, he did change his mind, but rather than telling me, he he just went ahead and uh, did something. Well, like okay, here's one example, you know. And I, you know, I figure we can talk about anything today. So, so I'm just gonna gonna be blunt and you know, and graphic, you know. Please, uh, let's do it. Yeah. Um, now, a a lot of people when you explain uh, BDSM or kink to them no matter what you say or how thoroughly you explain it, they'll still hear if, if you're into BDSM, that means you're into pain. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so uh, apparently that must've been what, what he thought, even though I explained BDSM to him. Um, so this one time I was on top of him and, um, and then 
with, with with no warning. I mean, he didn't say anything. You know, he just kind kind of stared like he would always do during sex, which <laughs> added that you know like quiet component. stare. Yeah, uh-huh. and you know, just this <laughs> really you know deep stare. So with, and I was on top of him and. And then he gradually, you know, started, you know, raising his hands and then he grabbed my nipples and squeezed them as hard as he could. Uh. <laughs> and I went, ah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and by the, when I regained my composure, you know, I, I said, you don't do that. You know, if you, you want, want to do something, you know, if you change your mind, you need to tell me. <laughs> You know, yeah, he just said, "Oh, sorry," but you know, since he couldn't talk about sex, uh, you know, and didn't feel comfortable, you know, of course mm. he couldn't tell me. Well, also, I mean, I don't know if this relates to how you know autism shows up for you, but a lot of folks that I've worked with on the spectrum can also experience some, some, I guess not just rigidity, but just a little bit of needing some prep for when something is going to shift. And so, Mm, I I mean, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want someone to just, unless we had agreed upon that, come up and squeeze my nipples as hard as they want. So I don't (laughs) think it's just an autism thing, but I also think, I wonder if that comes up for you of like, when you are playing with someone in a kink setting, do you appreciate having some kind of transitional period to where you know things are shifting or does that dysregulate you at all? Because I think that shows up for some folks where it's like, Mm. oh, I wasn't ready for that. And that can feel really dysregulating, especially for folks on the spectrum. Sure, sure. Yeah. um, I guess if if it's something subtle, you know, then then it's really not a problem. But Mm. if, if, if it's if it's some drastic change or like say if 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 we if we ag- agreed upon something and then they you know ca- kind of uh, well, basically changed their mind in the last mm. minute yeah mm-hmm. but with without telling me uh you know and and uh yeah i mean there, there there's no negotiation or anything you know and so yeah that would that would just totally <laughs> throw me off yeah, and that might throw off anybody. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but I, I would say, you know, not not just um, sexually, but just in any situation, I guess, you know. Well, being autistic and growing up in a you know such a dysfunctional household where I just never knew what was going to happen. You know, I never knew when my father was going to, you know, just go through some big rage attack, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's like, I was, was always on guard, you know? Mm -hmm. So. And that way it sounds like it's hard or impossible to separate the intersection of autism and trauma because it's like, what what belongs to what? Either way, maybe there's this hypervigilance of like, how is someone going to react in the moment? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. And and then to be told, well, you know, like by Artie, you know that that I that I overreact and and that I'm too sensitive. You know, I mean, it, it mm. was was always I was too something. You know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Has that been an experience for you bef- before or after Artie of just feeling like your emotions are too much or your reactions are too much? Yes, 
Yes. Yes. Uh, Definitely before, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And especially in the the area of showing affection. Mm. You know, I, I know now that my primary love language is physical touch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is really unfortunate during COVID. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm glad that you live in a, in a, you know, intentional community and I'm sure yes. that doesn't meet all of the needs that we would have outside of COVID times. Right. Right. I mean, at least I'm still ab- able to get hugs here once in a while, you know, so, so that definitely helped. But maybe not yeah. as many DP opportunities. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> like none. <laughs> I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> oh my my gosh I, I, I mean just you know no you know sex period I mean yeah. it's you know, gosh the, the last time I had sex was in February last year you know oh. yeah so well I'm hoping that wasn't the last time you had sex with yourself no thankfully not no that that was uh <laughs> this morning so okay oh, good, good I'm glad you prepared for our interview yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so so I I was just gonna mention that um, you know I've I've had some partners who you know just really really had a problem with the the fact that I needed so much affection you know which in in their eyes was too much. Mm. Um, I remember one guy telling me um, you know look you just just need to hang back a little bit you know because then then I'll want you more. Yeah. Or I've you know, had people tell me that I was just too needy. <laughs> and mm. I realize now that uh, my needs are totally valid. And and no, I'm not too needy, whatever yeah. that means. But uh, I, I mean, the w- way that people say it, you know, their their uh, tone of voice and their inflections, you know, just it makes it sound like it's just really, really bad, you know, to be, be able to need all this affection, you know. Right. And, and I'm very, very thankful that my, my partners are, you know, also very affectionate, you know, that. I mean, physical touch is probably their number one love language, too, or, or really close to that. Yeah. And and look, on the flip side, some other folks on the spectrum might be more sensitive to touch. So maybe they yes. don't want as much, but it sounds like whatever it is, your advice is find a partner who's accepting and understanding yes. and willing to get to know what you need. Yeah. And I, I'm like... I feel like I have to have you back at some point so we can cover like all continue covering all of these things. So, but before we like start wrapping up, I I would be curious if you have any, I don't know, go-to tips and things for neurodiverse folks to get to, to get to a place kind of that, that you're at where you're, you know, we're able to find and come out of like, I'm bisexual, I'm kinky to find some satisfying partners and relationships and non-abusive setups. Like, what do you think is most important in in that journey? Or what's been most important for you that folks can maybe take note of? Oh, let's see. The the thing that really stands out for me is um, letting people know right off the bat that you're autistic. Mm, Okay. So it's important for you to say it right away. It it really is. It really is. Because if, if something happens, you know, say if there's some misunderstanding, um, you you know, and and your uh, partner gets upset with you and and, and says, you know, why, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Um, 
You could just be like autism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I process information differently. So, you know, <laughs> but I, I remember, you know, before when I've, I've had stuff like that happen, um, you know, I really wouldn't know what to say. Mm. You know, there, there were just there would just be this misunderstanding and, and, and these bad feelings and, you know, and, and, so, yeah, and you were just like, I don't know. And now I feel not understood at all. Right. Right. You know, and uh, you know, uh, uh, there, there, there had been sometimes where it would, would actually mean, you know, like, you know, the person would lose interest in me, you know, um, <laughs> cause they just couldn't figure me out. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say that that is the most important thing is to let people know right away. You know, I mean, like for, for me on social media, let's see on, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter in, in my, you know, really short bio, I, I mentioned being autistic mm-hmm. and, you know, on uh, uh, Twitter, uh, a, a, a lot of the time I'll, uh, you know, retweet something that, that has to do with autism and, um, you know, and, and, and then on uh, Instagram and especially on Facebook, you know, I'll mention, you know, my autism story and, uh, you know, or, or I'll, uh, you know, share uh, an article that had, has to do with autism, you know, and, mm-hmm. and so, there's really no excuse for people not knowing about me. You know, I mean, they, you know, re- really nobody should be surprised. Okay. Uh, okay. So for yeah. you, what's been most important is being clear. Like yes. I process differently. Yes. Yes. Okay. And, and you know, this, you know, such and such is probably going to happen, you know, so, you know, so be prepared. Be ready. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Anything else? I mean, it sounds like having a good therapist, you know, someone who's definitely, informed. De- definitely having, having a good therapist. And, you know, if, if you're uh, polyamorous or kinky or LGBTQ, um, you know, I met, mentioned the uh, poly-friendly professionals. And then there, there's also the uh, kink-friendly professionals uh, page. And I don't have the um, uh, link to them, but uh, but yeah, you, you you can probably you you know if you Google them, you know, because they're yeah. They're I'll, uh, I'll put some in the I'll put some in the show notes, and you can always reach out, listeners. You can always reach out at slutsandscholars at gmail if you need some some referrals. And um, I think now there's just to put out there, there's definitely a difference between being kink and poly friendly and kink and poly aware. So there are some oh, folks who are like. Yeah. No, I'm not going to judge this, but who are like, I don't really know much about it. So, you know, keep that in mind when you're maybe looking for the right professional for you. Yes. Yes. That's, that's a a really, really good point, you know, sidebar coming back to you though. (laughs) I I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I, I still feel very, very fortunate, you know, just the, the fact that not only is is my therapist, you know, very knowledgeable and, and, aware of, uh, you know, polyamory and kink and BDSM, but, you know, she also happened to be the same person who assessed me for autism, you know, Mm. and I, you know, that was, that was definitely a plus there, you know. And what did that assessment look like for you? I know people can get it assessed in different ways. Right. It was, it was really, 
really lengthy, you know, but it, it, it was good because it was, it was very thorough, you know. So they did some like comprehensive psych- psychological testing. Yes. Neuro, neuro testing. Yeah. Right. And, and okay. uh, one, one of the things uh, that was, was also involved in the testing is that um, so somebody who knows me really well had to uh, basically give their Im- impression of me mm. and I, yeah because it is like a relation it is a relational thing there's not from what i understand there's not like one test that's like you have autism or not it's more looking at relationships and learning and socialization over time yes yes exactly and my partner who i've been with the longest you know the uh, one who i'm uh, going on 15 years with not well, Artie. I, no. Oh gosh. <laughs> you know, Artie's gone. He's out of the Google calendar. Oh my gosh. You, you know, I used to say that, that Artie knew me, you know, better than anybody else. But, but now I realize, no, he didn't know me at all because he, you know, saw me as broken and definitely did not see me as a, you know, a strong, intelligent woman, you know, but, uh, <laughs> so it, it was, it was my partner who I'd been with for 15 years and in my, the, therapist gave him some, uh, you know, a, a bunch of questions, you know, but basically, you know, questionnaire to, to fill out, you know, and it was really, really detailed, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, that, that also, uh, was a, a, a factor in my, uh, being diagnosed as autistic. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, Gloria, I'm so glad we got to do this. And I feel like I want to cover so many more things with you, like oh pink God. and bisexuality. So <laughs> yeah. if you're open to it, maybe we could do a, a part two sometime in the future. I and would love listeners, that. <laughs> yeah, listeners, if you liked, if you liked this, obviously rate and review and, and let us know so we can bring uh, Gloria back. But in the meantime, how can folks uh, follow you, get in touch, hire you, uh, whatever you want people to do, D- DPU, whatever you <laughs> looking for <laughs> I, I would definitely have to have to do a lot of uh no, i'm mostly first, kidding but... please don't send unsolicited uh dp requests to gloria <laughs> if i have to say that out loud you're probably someone who doesn't get it anyway so. <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> well they they can uh you know find me on uh on social media you know on on facebook um you know, as uh, Gloria Jackson Nefertiti, there's there's no dash. It's, it's all it's all one word. You know, and uh, also the same on Instagram is Gloria Jackson Nefertiti, no dash, one word. And on Twitter, I'm uh, Gloria J N. Well, Gloria, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. And if you need resources, if this, you know, sparked an interest for you, please, you know, rate and review anywhere you listen to your podcasts or send an email to slutsandscholars at gmail.com. And again, you can follow me on Instagram at slutsandscholars and on Twitter at slutscholars. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you all next week. 